Today's sermon is really going to sound, it's going to sound pretty radical to some folks. I'm just going to be up front with you. I don't know if anybody will actually say it to me because maybe they're too polite or they just don't want any controversy or anything, conflict. But I'm pretty sure that there are going to be people that are either here today or listening to broadcast that's going to think, that's just crazy. And, and the reason is, we, we live in a society and a culture where there are two things that have been drilled into us. Here's the first thing that's been drilled into us through our culture. Is that number one, everything is about us. And the second thing that's really been taught to us is this concept of instant gratification. Not only is everything about us, but we should be able to get whatever we want exactly when, when we want it, right? You know what you have to do to get a new car today? You have to be able to sign your name. You commit to, uh, it used to be 60 months of payments. Now the average is 72 months of payments. That's all you really got to do to buy a new car. You just got to sign your name and, and you can get a, a new car. I did some mission work down in Jamaica several years ago. Do you know in Jamaica, they don't have home mortgages. In Jamaica, when you want a home, uh, you work and you get enough money to buy a few concrete block and you lay those for a foundation. And then when you get some more money, you add on to it. Then when you get the walls up and you get some more money, you put a roof on it. And when it's finally livable, you, you move into it. People actually work and save and for things. But in America, we have been taught that everything is, is about us and that everything should be instantly available. And so we have entire industries and segments of the U.S. economy that's built around this concept of giving people exactly what they want, exactly when they want it. And so it's really hard for us to read a passage like, like we're going to read today where people were following God based on a promise that they knew would not be fulfilled in their lifetime in order to bless people that they would never see because they believed that God was going to do something that was absolutely beyond their, their lifetime. Now today, we're just, we're just really impressed if something could, could last a lifetime, isn't it? We never ra- rarely think about building something that would outlast us and that would be about a future generation. I saw a website this week where they were listing different products that still have a lifetime warranty. And we're, we're in a pretty disposable society, right? So that's pretty impressive that things have a lifetime warranty. You remember the old classic Stanley uh, thermoses? They're green about this tall. And uh, I, I forget how the, that technology, but they started making those in, I think, 1913. They still make those today, and you know that those thermoses still come with a lifetime warranty? If you buy one of those thermoses and you lose it, that's your problem. But if you buy one and it malfunctions in any way, you can just take it back and they will give you a new one. There's several products today that still have these, these life, there's not many of them, but there's some products today that have a lifetime warranty. And that's, we think that's pretty incredible if we could buy something and never even have to buy it again, if it could last for a lifetime. But our lifetime 
in the scope of eternity is a pretty short amount of time. And God is doing something that's much longer than a lifetime. And today, we're going to look at some individuals who understood this, who believed this, and were, were living for this. So I truly hope that as you reflect on their life, that God included in Scripture for our example that, that you might be inspired to put your life into something that's bigger than you. It's bigger than this moment. And it's even bigger than your lifetime. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Would you join me in standing as we read about these great people of faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Let's pray together. God, help us to understand today how these men could look beyond their lifetime, could live for promises that they would not receive on this earth. Help us to have faith like they had, that we might serve you even when we can't see or understand or identify what you're doing in our lives. May we be part of building your kingdom for your glory and for your honor. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I believe that faith in God leads us to trust him even when we can't see how he will fulfill his promise. That's what faith does. Faith leads us to trust him even when we can't see how he will fulfill his promise. In the case of Abraham, uh, we've already talked about Abraham. He came up earlier in verse 8 of this chapter, talking about his obedience. So, so God would mention Abraham more than once in the hall of faith here. So Abraham is clearly is a really important example for us of what it means to actually live by faith. And Abraham, God gave him this promise that him and his wife Sarai who would later, her name would be changed to Sarah, and Abram's name would be changed to Abraham because God was going to take them from a couple to a great multitude. That's what God's promise was to them, that he was going to make them into a great nation. And even when God had done the miraculous and enabled Sarah to conceive in an age that most of us won't even live to, then God would go on to ask them to do something that was just, totally defy logic didn't make any sense whatsoever god would ask abraham to take his son up on the mountain and sacrifice him and of course you and i we know the rest of the story god never intended for abraham to sacrifice his son he just wanted to know would would abraham when given the opportunity 
would Abraham follow and trust God even when he didn't understand or couldn't make any sense of what God was doing? And, of course, God already knew what Abraham would choose. But see, that's the thing about testing. When God tests us, it's not so that he can learn who we are. It's so that we can learn who we are. So have you ever considered that God may be testing you? Having been raised in a society where everything's about us and everything is instant, when faith doesn't quite produce the results we were looking for right away, people often begin to ask questions. They say, well, I don't understand what God's doing in my life. Why would God let this happen to me? Why? What is God doing? We want to know. We want to ask. There was another man like that. His name was Job. And after tremendous amount of suffering he began to question god and ask him and demand a reason why and of course god said to job he says these things are too wonderful for you to know but yet god had a reason he had a purpose he just didn't share it with job now abraham he had the benefit of learning after he had passed the test he realizes that it was just a test so so could it be that when you're in a moment in your life when you think, God, I, I've, I've, I've read my Bible, I go to church, I give, I serve, I think I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do, and yet uh, all these things just keep happening in my life, and I just don't really understand how this could be your plan for me. Why is it that I keep doing good things, but bad things keep happening to me? Could it be that perhaps God is testing you? The Bible says in verse 17 about this man, Abraham, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he would receive the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. In Genesis chapter 22 is where it tells us what was happening here. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, I I don't know how well you know geography in Israel, but the land of Moriah, do, do, do you know that's where Jerusalem is? In fact, that place that we call Jerusalem today was Mount Moriah in Abraham's day. God never sat Abraham down and said, Abraham, let me explain something to you. Here's what I'm going to do with your life. I'm going I'm to give you this test. And I'm going to have you to take your son up on this mountain where one day in the future I'm going to actually go through with offering my son as a sacrifice to the world. I'm going to use you to paint a beautiful picture that for thousands of years, people will preach in sanctuaries and cathedrals all around the world and inspire people to faith. God never told Abraham any of this. He never explained to Abraham what he was doing. 
He just said, Abraham, I want you to do something that doesn't make any sense whatsoever, contradicts everything you've ever known about me, but I want you to do it because I told you to do it. That's what God said to Abraham. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son, take him up on the mountain where I show you and offer him as a sacrifice. And yet it was just, it was just a test. But God would do something far beyond the life of Abraham in that moment. But Abraham couldn't be a part of it had he not simply trusted God and followed through with what God called him to do. And so Genesis chapter 22, we go down to verse 7, and it says, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father? And he said, said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the, the fire... And the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? So, so, so just Abraham and Isaac are going up the mountain, and Isaac, he's done this before. And he says, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, but where, where is the offering? And listen to what Abraham says. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So both of them went together. Abraham believed, even when he didn't fully understand. He followed, even when he didn't fully know, because that's what faith looks like. In so verse 10, it says, Then Abraham reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up as a burnt offering. Listen to this. Instead of his son. Instead of, in, in the place of, that the ram was a substitute. Oh, this would picture what Christ would do as he went and died as our substitute. So Abraham called the place, the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And so it was. Romans 8.32, listen to what it says about what God did on that same mountain He said, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? John 3, 16, perhaps one of the most loved verses in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And yet in this moment, In the life of Abraham, God was going to use Abraham to point to what he was going to do through his son. And Abraham did not get the benefit of having it all explained to him. He did not get to see Jesus crucified and offered up. He was simply told, take your son, go up on the mountain. Offer him as a sacrifice. He didn't know that it was a, a test. Could it be 
that when everything in your life just doesn't make any sense, you can't figure out what God is doing, that it is just a test. Sometimes God appears to contradict himself. Emphasis on the word appears. You see, there's a lot of things that appear to be contradictory when we don't have all the information. And so verse 13, it says, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So God had told Abraham, he said, I'm going to give you a son. And in your old age, Sarah is going to bear you a son. And he did. He gave him Isaac. And, and then God said, through, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Not, 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 not Ishmael. That's when Abraham tried to f- fulfill the promise himself. But he said, through, through Isaac, your offspring is going to be named. And God had told him this. And now he's saying, go up and offer your son as a sacrifice. How would God give Abraham offspring through Isaac if he's going to offer him up as a sacrifice? Sometimes God appears to contradict himself. But God was merely testing Abraham. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 5 talks about there are things that God does that we just don't understand. It says, as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. At some point in our life, we just have to realize that God is a lot smarter than we are. We can't understand everything that God understands. And not only is God a lot smarter than we are, he knows things that we don't know. We don't have all the information. And because we're the creation and he's the creator, we're in no place to demand all the information. He just calls us to obedience and to trust him. Jesus would tell his disciples, John chapter 13, verse 7, he says, what I'm doing, you do not now understand, but afterward, you will understand. There's times in our life when God calls us to do things. He gives us promises. We read commands in his scripture. And we just have to trust. This is what faith looks like. In faith, we trust God's heart even when we can't see his hand. We believe that he has good intentions for us. And so we trust in him even when we don't know exactly what he's going to do. Hebrews chapter 11, 19. Have you ever wondered what Abraham was thinking when he went up on the mountain with his son? Well, in, in, in Hebrews, it tells us what he was thinking. In Hebrews eleven nineteen, it says, He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he, he did receive him back. So the Bible says that Abraham received this command from God that appeared to contradict everything God had told him and promised him. But yet by faith, he's willing to trust God and take him up on the mountain. And it was going through Abraham's mind, what's God going to do? How's God going to fulfill his promise? And so he starts thinking, well, I mean, if need be, God can raise him from the dead after I sacrifice him. So he didn't know what God was going to do, but he believed that God could do anything that he needed to. So therefore, he put his faith in him, and he just trusted, not knowing exactly 
how God was going to act. We think about many people throughout the Bible that we see their examples of faith. People who didn't fully understand, but yet believed and trusted in God. You see, it was faith, not understanding, that enabled Peter to walk on water with Jesus. It was faith, not understanding, that gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the courage to boldly profess God, even as they were being thrown into the fiery furnace. It was faith, not understanding, that gave Daniel the boldness to pray, despite the consequences of being thrown into the lion's den. There's going to be times in your life when you say, I just don't understand what God is doing. And that's, that's okay. We don't have to understand. We just have to trust. God never promises that we'll fully understand. But he does promise this. He wants to do something in and through us that's greater than any of us can understand or imagine or even accomplish on our own. And faith, faith leads us to seek blessings even when they apply only to a future generation. That's the emphasis of these next individuals that's listed here. In verse 20, it says, by faith, Isaac, this is Isaac who was the son who God told Abraham to offer him up, but it was only a test. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Those were his children, Jacob and Esau. He invoked future blessings on them. This was at the end of Isaac's life. Time when Isaac was so advanced in years that he couldn't hardly see anymore. And he, through faith, invoked future blessings, blessings that he would never see. Because this is what faith in God does. It leads us to want to bless another generation, even when we can't see the fulfillment of God's promise in our lives. Genesis chapter 27 tells us about one of these blessings when, when Isaac blessed his son Jacob. In Genesis 27, 28, he said, May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Isaac would never live to see those blessings fulfilled and realized, but they, they would be in the life of Jacob. In fact, Jacob's name would be changed to Israel and he would father sons that would form the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. You see, when we realize the universe doesn't revolve around us, then we're ready to make our lives revolve around God. Have you ever considered how many people had to contribute to God's plan for us to be where we are today? Living in a society where we think everything's centered around us and it's all about instant gratification, it's kind of hard for us to wrap our heads around God doing something across different generations, God using one generation to fulfill his promise to another generation. But that's exactly what we see in Scripture. What if Abraham had said he didn't want to be a patriarch? He wanted to be a prophet. What if Isaiah had said, let someone else be an Old Testament prophet? I want to be a New Testament apostle. 
What if Peter had said, let someone else be crucified upside down? I want to live in 21st century America. None of these men got to choose when they would be born, what they would be called to, or how God would use them. Yet all of them lived by faith, and God used them tremendously. And because of their lives, we are where we are today in God's salvation history. Could it be that you and I are leaving stones being built one upon another to accomplish God's plan throughout history? Isaac, because he looked to the future, he blessed his sons. Jacob, his son, Jacob believed that God was not finished with his promise. And so verse 21, it says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. The last person mentioned in this section is this man, Joseph. God would use in such an amazing way. And listen to what it says about Joseph. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Here's what's so significant about that. Do you know when the exodus would occur? It would occur 400 years after the life of Joseph. 400 years. We hear 40 years today, and we think that's a really long time. How long have you worked at your job? I've been there 40 years. Oh, that's amazing. 40 years. When was this house built? This house was built in 1901. Oh, that's amazing. 120 years. I think it's such a long time. Joseph looked at an event that was 400 years in the future and believed it with such faith and certainty that he says, when it happens, don't leave me here. Carry my bones back to the promised land that I might be buried there in the land that God has promised us. You see, by faith, the end of our life is not our end. Genesis chapter 50, it tells us about this passage with Joseph's conversation with his brothers. It says, and Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Fast forward 400 years, Exodus chapter 13, verse 19. It says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Joseph understood that God was doing something that was beyond his lifetime. Could it be 
than when we don't understand what God is doing. It's because he's doing something that's bigger than us, that's bigger than this moment, that's bigger than this lifetime. He said, well, I'd like to know what it is. Well, if you read the scripture, you'll see time and time again where God told people it was not their place to know. That's what he told Job. When Abraham went up on the mountain, Abraham didn't know. He didn't know it was a test. He didn't know he was going to walk right back down with his son. He just said, well, if need be, God can raise him from the dead. He just knew that God was able. He didn't know how. He didn't know when. He just knew that God was able. When Joseph said, God will not leave us here. He's promised us a land. One day he will visit us here and he will take us to the promised land. I, I don't think that Joseph knew how many years it would be. But he believed. And because he believed, he made preparation. He made his brother swear that his bones would not be left there in a foreign land, but he would be carried back to the land of promise. So 400 years later, the Bible says the reason that Moses carried the bones of Joseph was because Joseph in faith made them promise that he would not be left in Egypt. You see, when we believe and trust in God, it leads us to prepare for the future. I don't believe that the church will ever cease to exist. There'll be local congregations that will come and will go, but the church will exist right up until the return of Christ. Someday, I'm going to die. It might be suddenly with a heart attack or it might be slow with some kind of disease. Makes no difference. When I die, that will not be the end of me because I believe with all my heart that the Lord has prepared a place for us and that we can receive it by faith. I believe that one day he's going to return again. And wherever my body is left, it'll be resurrected. And I'll have a new body, just like Jesus' resurrection body. And that promise is available to every single one of us if we will choose to receive it by faith. You may not benefit from it in this lifetime. There's all kinds of people that have followed Christ and been poorer because of it. If someone tells you that if you follow Christ, you're going to be richer, they're a liar. There are people all around the world that said, God, here I am. Use me. God said, wonderful. I need someone in Nepal. How do you feel about grass huts? Missionaries all around the world who have lived in poverty their whole life because they followed God. If someone tells you you're going to be healthier because you follow and put your trust in God, they're a liar. There are people around the world today that are dying as martyrs because they refuse to denounce the name of Christ. But why? Because like these people, they believe that God is doing something that's greater than our lifetime. They've never bought into the lie that this universe revolves around them and that every good thing should be instantly available. But instead, they walk by faith and not 
by sight. And today, I would urge you to join them and follow their example.